So kia ora, my name's Alicia. And if you are new here, welcome. We have been doing a series. We're in the middle of it. I think we're at part six called Matter Matters. And Dan and, and Nat there have done a beautiful job in teaching us that our everyday things, the things that we can touch, taste, hear, see, the physical things in life matter to God. Our bodies, how we view our bodies, we, aren't, we don't separate them and divide them into physical and spiritual things, that we are whole. So we've been discussing if, we, if these things matter to God, then how do we treat and care for them? And today what we're going to talk about is our body image and how we express ourselves. So if our bodies matter to God, then how do we care and treat how we view our appearance, how we present ourselves to others? We live in a body image obsessed society. So growing up, hopefully this isn't a back to my day kind of story, but growing up when I, <laughs> um, when I wanted a photo of me and my friends, what I had to do is go down to my local pharmacy, anyone remember this? Buy a disposable camera, which was around about $20. We would take photos of me and my friends, go back, which was around about 20-ish was the limit, have to go back to the pharmacy and pay about $20 to have it developed. It would take a couple of hours or maybe the next day we'd have to wait. We'll bring them back in anticipation and usually a handful of those will turn out well. Um, and usually some of our friends would have red eyes looking away, blinking, whatever. If there was one that we all looked really good, this was treasured and framed. Anyone remember this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, nowadays, in our digital age, in our selfie culture, um, it's not unnormal for us to wake up and on our social feeds have someone that's doled up in makeup, that is just looking amazing, got the filters going, and it's got this inspiring quote for us underneath just to let us know how to start the day. Um, or maybe it's our first baby photo, and it's lo looking amazing. Baby, baby looks like a doll because it's got the lighting and the filters. Because what do we do? if the photo doesn't look great of ourselves or of our baby. We just adjust it. We keep on going until it looks amazing. Whether we're aware of it or not, most of us spend a lot of time thinking about how we look, wondering about how we portray ourselves. Are we portraying enough attraction? Are we portraying enough confidence, enough wealth, enough beauty? This is subconscious sometimes, not even conscious thought. And for many of us, we have a really complex relationship with our bodies. We wish we were smaller. We wish we were bigger. We wish we were taller. We were shorter. Muscular, but not too muscular, toned. We wish we had curly hair or straight hair, bigger bum, smaller bum, whatever it is, the list is endless. We desire the things we don't naturally have. But we weren't born like this. This week, my beautiful three-year-old daughter, Willow, came up to me and very proudly said, I'm a very heavy girl, aren't I, mummy? <laughs> I'm a big girl. She was so proud of herself. She was so proud that she is a strong girl and she's growing up. To be honest, I was quite shocked with this, though. It took me aback to hear someone that said something like that, that they were proud that they were heavy. Um, particularly from a female. And I guess there's some innocence in what Willow said. 
because she hasn't yet been introduced to our narrative in our society to be proud of the fact that she may be a little bit bigger or heavier. Our society says we shouldn't be proud of that. How we view and evaluate our bodies hugely impacts how we relate to others, the way that we construct about how valuable we see ourselves, whether we, have, um, we feel we have enough desirability enough to access someone, to have closeness to someone. For example, we might look at someone and think, do I have the standard, the desirability to join that group, to have a relationship with someone? And it can happen in a split second of meeting someone new or walking to a, a room for the first time and scanning the area. Perhaps you did that the first time you walked into CV here. You kind of scanned the area quickly and you made a split-second decision as to whether you fit in here. There's a spectrum we kind of have ourselves on of acceptability, belonging and worth. Depending on how we view each other compared to how we view ourselves and what we look. I felt this recently when I met someone for the first time. I immediately, I saw her, and I immediately felt like the uncle kid at school again. And without even conscious thinking, this was, I was reflecting back on it with Rob. I felt way less cool than her in regards to confidence, knowledge, expertise, and beauty. Without conscious thought, I had placed her somewhere up here in value, and someone, and I put myself probably run about there. And what did I do? My response was that I bolstered myself up and portrayed this fake confidence of myself by how I positioned my body, my body posture, and the way I talked to her. She wasn't nasty or critical to me at all. But the narrative came about because how she presented herself and for that time how I viewed myself. And it was so automatic, it was so strong. Any of you felt like that before? If you haven't, if you haven't felt like that before, you are always confident with your body and how you express yourself with truth and of ease all the time. Bless you, thank you. Um, don't worry about this message, okay? <laughs> Next week will be your message on narcissism, okay? <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. Don't give me emails, please. I'm kidding. Okay. Have we ever stopped to ask ourselves why we have such strong convictions about why we feel we can measure our body image? Like, even if we're having a really fab day, if we, even if we're like, look in the mirror and we're like, I'm looking good today, it's great. Like, what is this actually based on? Where do we learn what is desirable and what is actually valuable? Which brings me to the complex and big undercurrent going on, which is our Western culture. Now, I'm aware that there are other cultures in New Zealand, but for most of us, Western culture is the main one that we're living in and the main one that we're being affected by. So this is the one that I'm going to be discussing today. How we view our bodies, other people's bodies, for the most part, are based on cultural standard and social construction through gender scripts and the desirability of certain type of body type, which for 95% of us, we can't attain to, even if we try. If you don't understand that, you will. I'll, I'll explain this a little bit more in detail. A large number of us 
So there's been so many studies done on our body image. Most of them say that most of us, about 80% if not higher, are really dissatisfied with our body. It's so common now, especially in women, that we have a phrase for it. The YWCA says this. There's a reason no one in this culture would be surprised to overhear a woman saying, I feel so fat and ugly today. We accept this type of unhappiness as part of being a woman. Over 30 years ago, researchers coined the phrase normative discontent to describe the phenomenon. The term suggests we've got to a place where it's considered normal for girls, for women, to be deeply disappointed when they look in the mirror. It's the girl version of boys will be boys. So not only is this dissatisfaction actually growing in our culture of our body image, but the severity of which it is, is actually growing. For example, the Mental Health Foundation in 2019 conducted one of the largest polls on body image and found that one in 10 women said that they had self-harmed or deliberately hurt themselves because of their body image, compared to one in 25 men. Evidence suggests that body image anxiety can take a hold of kids as young as three years old. They thought it was adolescence when it started, then they brought it down to primary school. Now they're saying it's three years old. A study found that simply viewing a Barbie doll reduced body esteem and increased a desire for thinness in girls aged five to eight years. So we know social media isn't helpful for us. We know that the image that they portray is this westernized body image ideal, which for us women is uh, obviously thin, yet now they're saying a little bit toned would be good, thank you very much. Um, for men, it's to be muscular, usually tall. For both of us, it's to be able-bodied, symmetrical, usually fair-skinned with a bit of a tan. So these images are being shown, you know, natural-looking, even though they're like, kind of this kind of display. <laughs> Just like, that is a bit of a role. <laughs> um, but it, it, we know that it's got lighting and makeup and angles and editing and Photoshop going on here. We know that... Uh, the photo isn't actually even the model itself. I've edited it so much. What research also makes very clear is that the more an individual is exposed to these Western body, beauty ideals, sorry, the more their body dissatisfaction increases. The YWCA said this. For example, shortly after the introduction of television to Fiji, Researchers noted an increase in body image dissatisfaction amongst native Fijian women, with 76% feeling too fat, 11% reported vomiting for weight control, and disordered eating doubled. China sadly had similar statistics when they became more open to the West, and the over-sexualized of women actually increased as well. The beauty, exercise, and diet industry have done an amazing job and benefited really well from our vulnerability. The diet industry alone is $71 billion. And the goal for these companies isn't to enhance our body confidence and self-worth. It's for us to get us to buy their service and their product. So when we see these perfected and unrealistic images, there we go, of these smiley faces. Now, let me just say this, 
it's always a danger and you should always look at it when someone's smiling on a treadmill. Like, I know there's lots of us that like running, but you don't smile when you run. Okay, so that's fake. Look at that guy with a salad and that natural pose right there. All these images are trying to convey to us that this is actually attainable if only we tried harder and got their product. It makes us think, even though we know that this isn't fake, it still makes us think about our own bodies and where we feel we're falling short of this body type. It rattles around in our thinking over and over again. We look at others and we compare ourselves with them. It trickles then down to our words and our judgments and we say things like, oh, I feel so fat or I don't like my man boobs or whatever it is, for which other people around us here our friends, our family, our colleagues, our children, which then makes them think about how underachieving our bodies are, all in which brings us closer to buying their products, which is a win for them. The YWCA said this. I like them. They had good statistics. Um, bringing up the topic of body image with young people these days will usually get you an eye roll and a groan. Born digital natives, they entered a world that was well aware and vocal about photoshopped images, about the overrepresentation of young, thin, and white as the default, and about the over-sexualization of women's bodies. Schools teach them about the harms of negative body image, the popularity of influences on social media that promote body positivity continues to rise, but the general consensus seems to be, yeah, we know all this, but I still hate my body. And we can be the same. Even as Christ followers, we know this is an unhealthy way to view our bodies. Yet we get so caught up in the trap of this. There's something deeper and more dangerous that's actually going on, more than just wanting a better looking body, and it's this. Often our culture matches our standard, our ideal of beauty and attractiveness with moral value and social worth. Meaning, the more attractive we feel someone is, the more value and worth we place on them. Now this is happening whether we like it or not in our society. Research shows this, this is painful. Those who are deemed more attractive by our cultural standards are found to be paid more, get considered for more jobs, are judged as being more competent, intelligent and more trustworthy. Men are considered, considered better leaders, are more popular, which starts in primary school, which therefore enhances their confidence, which then enhances their social skills. In court, attractive people are found guilty less often. When found guilty, they receive less severe sentences. Psychologists call this the beauty premium. So it's not surprising that physical attractiveness is of overwhelming importance to us. We see what they get. We see the value, the worth, the attention. And so of course it's understandable that we want to strive for it, but this only reinforces the system and the value of it. It's so deeply woven in our culture of how we look that no wonder it is such a huge and complex issue for us all. But who gave us the rules of who is deemed the ideal body type and who isn't? 
Like, where did the criteria actually come from? Why is it that Chris Hemsworth is more attractive than Danny DeVito? Who makes these rules? You doubt it? Okay. While there are a few similarities amongst cultures, essentially, beauty and attractiveness changes depending on what culture you live in and what time in society you live in. For example, women in other cultures are found to be attractive if they have really short hair or if they're much larger in frame or if they have cultural tribal tattoos all over their body. Some cultures find tiny feet adorable and they love it, so they mould their feet to become tinier and tinier. Some cultures find it really endearing for women to have really long underarm hair and long leg hair. Some of us are really endearing at the moment, being in winter, right? Yeah. Rob still loves. <laughs> and the sad and ironic truth is this, that research shows that even those that actually come close to the ideal that we say is attractive, that 5% that we're talking about, they actually don't have that contentment and that joy that we would expect them to have. Actually, many of them have higher body dissatisfaction and insecurity about themselves because of the pressure to maintain their worth and the desire to present to others that they are more than their external presentation. Can you hear that there is no peace in this and striving for this attractiveness? You either don't have the ideal or you do have it and you don't have the contentment or we all get older and we are subpar to cultural attractiveness anyway. Isn't this just so destructive? I haven't even touched on skin colour. I haven't touched on gender scripts. It's just so warped, it's so broken. Isn't this where the enemy would just love us to be trapped in? In this shame cycle, we are distracted, where all our time and our energy and our finances are going into improving our body image, caring so much about what people think of us. Can't you hear the enemy just whispering to us, you're not enough, you don't belong, you just need to try harder. So how are we to respond as Christ followers to this body image crisis? Now, if we believe scripture, we need to come to grips with these two things. The first one is this. God created us and said we were good. We are good. Now, I'm sure you know this, and it's like an obvious thing to say, but sometimes we need to say it. You did not make your face. You didn't decide on the color of your skin. The fact that you may look so much like your father or you like, make, don't look anything like your family. You did not choose the genetics that enabled you to have the shape of your nose, the shape of your face, the distance between your thighs, your height, your frame and body shape. You did not have a say in this. God did that. He is your author, he is your creator. And in Genesis, God remarks about the glory of his creative work, which he is proud of, which he delights in. And after every single day of creation, he says this, it is good. 
Now, the word here, good, in the Bible, in Genesis, is the word kolon, which means beautiful. So when God looks at his creation and says good, he's not saying, oh, it's not bad or suffice. The opposite is good. What he's saying is beautiful. So when God made humans on the sixth day and he said it was very good, this means God is looking at us and with no barriers he yells, you are stunningly beautiful. God says this on the day he created humans. He would have said it on the day that you were born and he would say it to you sitting here right now. You are stunningly beautiful. Dan Allender said this, to compare yourself with others, to disown your own body as an act of rebellion, a form of escape as to who you are. Now this is not to minimize your heartache, your struggle with your body. I'm not saying at all that the way that you view your body, whether it be ambivalence or perhaps even hatred towards it, isn't understandable. Some of you, your loved ones, your parents, your partner, have told you that your body isn't enough. Know that some of you have had terrific, awful, not terrific, horrific abuse, and so you have a complex relationship with your body. So please hear me when I say I am not trying to downplay or even remove the struggle from you here today. But what I'm saying is that we need to acknowledge, if we believe in Scripture, that God made you the way that you look. And when he created you, God said you are more than good, you are stunningly beautiful. Amen? Psalm 139 said this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion and as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Can you hear the posture, the intensity of God's love and how he views us? How precious are your thoughts about me, God? They can't be numbered. Are you at war with your body? If you are, acknowledge where you're at with it. Bring your pain, your disappointment to God. Let him speak truth over you because you are more valued than you can ever imagine. Number two, we have purpose in how God designed us. The way that we look is not only a reflection of God's beautiful creation, but we are to use it for God's kingdom. If you're wondering what your calling is, your purpose is here on earth right now, start with what God has given us uniquely. And we can start with how we look. Our ethnicity, our age, the face that you have may or may not be accepted in today's culture. All of us here have privilege, 
And we also have stories of pain in the way that we look that we can use for God's kingdom and glory on earth. So firstly, it starts with knowing the privileges that we have. For example, I am an able-bodied, mid to late, 30s, Pākehā woman, um, and that comes with many privileges that I may or may not be aware of. For you, maybe you have that beauty premium that we just discussed, that you are deemed more attractive in today's culture. Instead of using that advantage and all the benefits and just receiving it for yourself, can you look around and see others who are not getting seen and use your privilege to include and welcome in others, to value them differently than what culture teaches? Secondly, how can my body shame story glorify God? My story of how I viewed my body uh, take a, took a negative change at about seven years old when someone told me, which I believe many, many years later, that my body and my face were not deemed attractive at all in today's cultural standard. How can my story of feeling like the outsider, of holding on to that shame secretly, of working out ways to not get that pain and to avoid, an ex and to avoid the exposure, how can that be? used to engage, to understand, to empathize with others who are suffering. Rather than living out of my pain, I'm not saying that we use this as our identity, but how can we use it to choose to show others that are overlooked and are bypassed to remind them how wild God is about them because how we have experienced God. Imagine if we actually lived out God's value system. We lived out his metric of beauty rather than our cultures. How drastically different that would be. This isn't being nice. I'm not saying let's just be nice and pleasant to each other. Isn't this the nice thing to do? But this is actually participating in God's kingdom here on earth. Dan Allender said this, God shaped, molded, and formed us to reveal something about himself. God always intended for his children to join him in completing creation. We are not inanimate entities that merely reveal glory, but are living stories that are meant to create glory. Which leads me to talking about expression. Now you don't have to look far to see that humans um, have come up with a variety of ways to express ourselves. We wear certain clothes, we buy certain brands, we create beautiful artwork and music, we squeeze our body into spanks, we buy those TikTok leggings that enhance the bottom to get that peach lift. We modify our appearance, we have haircuts, we have piercings, we have tattoos, we have earlobe stretching, we have tongue splitting. The list is endless all in an effort to present ourselves in a certain way, to express who we are. Every single one of us is expressing ourselves, and whether you say you don't believe it or you think it's nonsense, well, that is your expression. Are you aware of how you express yourself? How you carry yourself, your posture, the way you dress? Whether it be that you are covered in Versace, or maybe you are still wearing the same clothes you did 20 years ago. 
Have you asked yourself, why do you buy the type of clothes that you do? Or the amount, the frequency that you buy the clothes? Why do you have to have an iPhone and not a Samsung? Like, I know it's better, but why else? <laughs> why do we always have to have the best brands, the best car brand that we can afford, the muso gear, the coffee? Why is it that Dan, Rob, Ella and Vivek all are wearing Doc Martens at the moment? Is this a new pastor uniform? What is going on here? I tried to get a photo, but I forgot to do that. Now, I'm not here to discuss what you should or shouldn't wear, whether you are to get a tattoo or not. I'm not here to restrict your form of expression, but I do want us to get thinking about asking ourselves, why do we express ourselves the way we do? Or another way of asking this is, what motivates us? to express ourselves the way we do. I always remember my first time buying an iPhone. Um, we had just moved to the UK and we were super excited because in the UK at that time, uh, iPhones were a lot cheaper and attainable to buy. So we were super stoked. We, we got the contract, we got the iPhone. Um, and I didn't really think as to why I was excited about this. Um, of course, the obvious reasons of better apps and camera and stuff like that. But if I was to be honest, I think that I felt cooler. I think like the creative people like iPhones, so like I was in, I was trendy. Um, unfortunately, two days later after getting the iPhone, I went to a mall in Bristol and um, it got stolen. And yeah, thank you, thank you. I, I cried for like a day, <laughs> I was gutted. Um, not my most prideful moment. Um, and yeah, it was, it was sad. I couldn't afford to get another iPhone. And so I got a cheap Android phone, which was actually awesome and did the job for me for over a year. And while I'm on the role of being transparent, I've got to admit a couple of other things that I've expressed, uh, which actually isn't quite me, which may cause a bit of a stir in this circle. Okay, so first one, I'm gonna feel so much better after this. I'm not a U2 or Bob Dylan fan. I know! And I know. Um, and I've tried, I, there's a couple of songs that are great, and I know a lot of Christians like U2 and Bob Dylan, and I'm sorry, I just don't like them that much. Good one. Second one, last one. Um, I'm not a big fan of black coffee. I know. My clan, my tribe, thank you. Thank you. Like, I will drink it. And Dan, if you're listening to the podcast, I know you gave me a high five the first time I had one. And you're so proud of me that I drink black coffee. But I've got to say, coffee just tastes way better with a bit of milk. Being me today. So I'm joking. Not really. But I am being lighthearted. If we are expressing ourselves to be uh, able to fit in more, uh, to be accepted or desired more, essentially what we're after is belonging and worth. And it's not just not going to provide us with this. It may give us that temporary feeling of acceptance, but it doesn't last. We will always be searching for the next thing. The way we express ourselves should be a true reflection of the diverse and beautiful humans that we all are and have been created. So a question for us today. If we woke up tomorrow 
and we didn't have any insecurities, no body image issues. Like I know someone's already switched off. Just imagine. If we found our value and sense of belonging in Christ rather than the culture that teaches us differently, how different would our lives look like? How would that change the way we dress, act, relate to others, move, shop, think? Maybe you would say to me, I would wear clothes that actually feel comfortable and fun rather than buying clothes that hide my body. I would wear colours that reflected how I feel I am instead of all black. I would buy products to enhance my quality of life rather than buying products to try to make me look like someone else. I would buy products for what suits my needs rather than buying products to gain more attention and admiration from others. I would move in a way that is more free instead of caring what others may perceive when I dance, when I walk, when I run. I would engage with people who I otherwise wouldn't. I would buy less clothes because my value of simplicity and treating others in the garment industry is much higher than the thrill of buying another new shirt or shoes. Whatever it would be, what stops us from doing those things now? I want to finish with a beautiful part of scripture. So here Paul is writing to the Romans, and he has just been explaining about the amazing mercies that God gives us. And he says this, I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, through the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable worship, and not to be molded to this age, but to be transfigured by the renewal of the mind, that you may ascertain what is the will of God, the good and well-pleasing and perfect. So what Paul is saying here is that our reasonable, our logical response to God's grace and mercy and love to us is and always will be worship. And that we give God our whole body, our whole selves, our lives, our relationships, our expressions to God. Those two words, holy and well-pleasing, would have been absolutely shocking to hear from the Romans. Because when they had to sacrifice something to God, it had to be in a certain way. They had to cleanse themselves. They had to do something exactly precise and able to give it to God. But here, Paul is saying, you, just as you are now in your rawest form, in your weaknesses and in your insecurities, And exactly how you look, not what you want to look like, not what you want your life to look like, but right now is holy and well-pleasing to God and worthy for worship to God. Our goal with how we manage our body image and expression, it isn't perfection through cultural standards or even being 100% secure in who God made us we may still have struggles. Our goal as Christ followers is to keep returning back to God, 
who reminds us of our true worth over and over again to remind us that we are holy and well-pleasing. And in this, it's only logical, it's only reasonable that we then worship God with our whole selves. So that's us. (laughs) I think what would be really great is if we can stand, if you're capable and if you're comfortable to do so. I just want to pray over all of us here today about this. Like I said, this is a complex and woven into our society so much that it affects all of us. So let's let God speak to us in this and change us. Awesome, awesome Father. We thank you so much that you value us so differently to cultural standards that you give us so much love and grace and mercy towards us. Lord, renew our minds here today, our thoughts, our thinking patterns as to how we view our bodies, how we compare our bodies with others. Lord, change it from weakness and insecurity and let us step into who you say we are, stunningly beautiful, created unique, and diverse, and help us to value each other like that, Lord. Help us to live out the value system that you taught us, not the cultural standard. Let CV be a place that we knew our worth and could see it in others and remind others of it. Father, we want to pray for two, two people today, two groups of people, one first of those that are in the creative industry here today, whether you are a muso or you're a dancer or you're an artist, Lord, bless them here today. Know that they are doing acts of worship for you, that this is holy, that this is an amazing thing that they are doing, and Lord, we ask for blessing for this expression. Let them show glory through their work, Lord. And also those who are struggling with their body image. Lord, remind them of their worth. Give them courage to ask for help. Remind them that you're a God that redeems, that you protect, that you guide, and you restore us. Lord, thank you for everything that you have given us, Father. We don't say it enough. We are desperate for your worth, Lord. Give us your presence, Father, for now and for this week. In Jesus' name, amen.